This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's a definite parching scenario. We were made to dive through muddy puddles. When managers were speaking, I didn't listen. How did the session record get on with Antonio Conte? You need to be more like an avocado. You'd start with a traditional move. The actual juice of the meeting. You'd have to be a nerd. Have you ever heard a manager apologise? I'd like to keep it in the bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to another episode of That Peter Crouch Podcast with me, Peter Crouch. Uh, Chris Stark and Statman Dave are with me as usual, but it's not as usual, is it? It's somewhere different. It's a bit, bit different from the we're, pub. We're in Crouchy's house. We're not in the pub. What would you call this room? Is this the office? It's the office, but there's a lot of obviously memorabilia. Like I've just been sort of packed off in the in the office, really. But he's quite self indulgent. Yeah, there's a lot of me going on in here. <laughs> it really is. I mean, there's one of those giant cardboard cutouts, sort of life size cardboard cutout of you there. Mm. Looks that, like someone smashed your face. That in. was me who did that. Actually, it was in the garden. And I put me in goal. And um, I was just pinging balls. I was pinging balls, and uh, he saved one. And then there's a bust of yourself on your desk there, like quite a large. Where, who gave you that? Well, that was stole from World Cup Live um, in 2010, I think it was. Abby did it. She did it with James Corden, and I've also got David Beckham upstairs. I don't think he claimed his one. Bust. Why is when you say upstairs? What do you mean? Is Beckham sort of staring at you? Where, where does I, that? Ad likes to keep it in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to take in. in there here. is a lot. The caps on the wall as well. England caps, they look absolutely awesome. Yeah. But, you know, I always imagine if I'd played in one of these games that you have a picture of a momentous moment, like your celebration is normally happy. One of the pictures in one of the frames just you arguing. <laughs> yeah. Is that one of your favourite arguments in football? Only because it was the World Cup and that's Cristiano Ronaldo. It is. So it, me arguing with what possibly the greatest players of all time, I think, it was just that someone actually sent me that to sign and I thought, I should keep that. So they didn't, they didn't get a signature and lost the photo. But I appreciate them because it's in my office now. That's the risk you run, isn't it? If you send a picture to a celebrity to get it signed, that they might just have it they for themselves. They might like it and, and enjoy it. Yeah. yeah, it's such a great picture. Do you remember what was being said? the exact moment. Yeah, it was... We were down to 10 men then and um, that one of their players went out and we were going to win the game, obviously. And uh, I went up the other end and instead of kicking the ball out, I, I tried to have a shot. It's gagging for a caption competition, this picture, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think like, we'll take a picture of it and put it up on socials and let, let people try and... I think the main one that would come back would probably be how, how the fuck are you on the same pitch as me? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, that's Ronaldo speaking it's, to you, Crouchy. It's, yeah, it's a World Cup, you idiot. How did but, you get here? He, he looks rattled. In the picture, he's, he's got his arms out like he's flapping, like he's angry. He looks but scared. You're, you're, you're almost teaching him a lesson. It's like the way you're talking to him is like, mm. do you know what I mean? It's like almost pointing at him going, no, this is, this is how yeah, he is. Yeah. Imagine if the person who sent this picture of Ronaldo and you is, is listening to this. You'd like to think they're fans of me if they're asking for, a, for a, you know, so they might listen to the pod and potentially go, oh God, I sent that pic. 
Yeah, but so if you do get in touch, and I'll um, I'll print you one off, not that one. That <laughs> <laughs> one's mine now. You see the signed footballs, and I think a lot of football fans, if you're lucky enough to get memorabilia from the club, it's quite cool to get a team match ball, isn't it? And, and it all signed by the players. I've got one of these from Watford, but the players clearly couldn't be asked at all. The signatures are just a squiggle. But with Crouchy's there, that's a Champions League ball, isn't it? Yeah, that's the Champions League ball, yeah. Young boys, that was. It was a hat-trick I scored in the qualifying rounds. But the lads obviously have written, you know, little messages on there. Yeah. Um, exactly. I, I just out the corner of my eye here, and I can see one there. Uh, well done, Skinny. <laughs> uh, Who's that from? Uh, that's from Alan Hutton. That was a Tottenham uh, hat-trick. I'll, I'll take you through a couple, if you don't, yeah. if you don't mind. So, this, yeah, this hat-trick ball was at Anfield. It was the early kickoff, I think, against Arsenal when I scored a hat-trick. But, like, some of the comments are great, uh, which is, it's good to look back on, you know. It's a brilliant big man, wouldn't have done it without your old mate Pennant. You may get a few games now. Uh, <laughs> Rafa Benitez. <laughs> oh, no, you may get a few games now ahead of Kite. Jamie Carragher's wrote that, I think. Um, Rafa would have been, like, steady. Yeah. <laughs> steady, <laughs> steady, calm <on>. down. <laughs> Luis Garcia, this is a good one, interesting one. I think this is Luis Garcia. Well done, big man. Let's see if you can do it three times in bed now. <laughs> I don't know if that even works, really. <laughs> it's quite funny. <laughs> it's great, this. It's like a museum. Yeah. It's good. To, do you know what? It's good. Everything tells a story in here, which I think rooms should do, really. I love it because there's all these amazing mementos and then there's a crouchy pot noodle down here. <laughs> well, that's, that, that, that's obviously my new career um, where they've they've done a pot noodle for the podcast. You've got your cat here as well. Will the cat yeah, be joining I, us? I, this, this is a very sociable cat, um, so I apologise for that. But... It's all good. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not Kurt Zuma. Is it? <laughs> so this uh, podcast today is about team meetings. Crouch, you've had a few of those in your time. Any standout? Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, some of the biggest moments of my life, some of the worst moments of my life, some of the best, um, all come from team meetings, you know, like the things that I suppose you're not privy to. And I think that's what this podcast is about, isn't it? Like sort of taking you inside things that you don't see. And they're things that are easily forgotten as a footballer at team meetings, but actually they shape your career as a player. Yeah, I think the documentaries, All or Nothing, they really shone a light on it. And I think um, it's made everyone a lot more intrigued mm. about team meetings and different approaches, different managers, all of that. So we're going to get into that today. Shall we crack on with a few messages? We're getting so many messages mm. into the pod, by the way. And thank you so much if, if you are one of those people. Keep them coming in. Should we start with Jack? Uh, my boss has just moved into a lovely new house and had me installing a CCTV. Had all the bedroom floorboards up and managed to trip and fall through the ceiling of his lounge. I ended up dangling in midair in front of my boss's family in their brand new living room. <laughs> just picture that for a second. Poor Jack dangling from the ceiling. <laughs> Phenomenal. The, the, the whole family sat there. They've all been put in one room whilst, you know, Jack goes and does his mm. job professionally. Yeah, the next that's... thing they know, he's, he's coming through the ceiling. His legs, no doubt he's sworn loudly. Like, poor kids. <laughs> dust falling on their heads. I, I would find it fucking hilarious if you were dangling from my ceiling. <laughs> I think it's a moment that you, you can't get back and it's... It's worth acknowledging how funny it is. What Jack wants here is he probably wants you to apologise on his behalf. I know we've been yeah. doing this a bit on the podcast mm. where you offer it as a bit of a service. On behalf of Jack uh, and all at the podcast, uh, myself, Chris, Dave, you know, George, John and Sam who, who record with us here, we'd like to apologise to Jack's boss and his entire family for the manner in which Jack crashed through your ceiling uh, whilst trying to um, mend the CCTV. 
uh, on behalf of everyone concerned, sorry. Before we talk about team meetings, let's get a, give a bit of a quick update from Crouchfest. I know that you two lads have been working behind the scenes. I've been kept out a lot of the conversations. I you feel have like been, yes. maybe that's going to bite me in the the ass a bit later on, but I'm here to... <laughs> I think it's more the dick that you should be worried about personally, Dave. Yeah, Charlie Adam could probably hit Midge's dick from 100 yards, and I think, you know, I think he should, he'd definitely get yours. Dream scenario for me, and this is the yeah. meetings that we keep having, is sort of dream scenario stuff, and then obviously people involved have to kind of tell us to rein it in because there's an audience and there's health and safety, and, you know, <laughs> okay. there's an... So when we say what we would like is a footballer pelting balls at Dave <laughs> suspended in air dressed as a fly with like a, like a rubber <laughs> schlong between his legs Shall I take out insurance Shall I buy one of those cups that you play with cricket No it'll all be it, it, the thing is if it happens it will all be done in a, a in a health and safety way you know it'll all be fine <laughs> It's just uh, it's just getting to do it, really, isn't it? <clears throat> well, you know, there, there are people that are raiding in some of our ideas, aren't they? Mm. But um, we'll we'll get there. It might be good news for you, Dave, or, or worse. I don't know. Um, but the midges dick thing might not be in the arena. <laughs> um, there's an issue with it being in the arena. <laughs> so we're talking like a, some scaffolding and me being dangled over <laughs> outside or a crane. I don't know. Well, like, the thing is, the, the problem is we can't do it in the venue. So uh, you know, it might be worse because it could it could be elsewhere. <laughs> Yeah, it's. But I've got to say, other plans for Crouchfest in terms of music, in terms of even we we had a couple of drinks and just fired out a load of invites to people. And um, we we're getting quite personally involved in this, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. No, we we have to. You know, we've got to make it a reflection of us, haven't we? And uh, it's incredibly exciting. I mean, the, the talks that we are sitting in are amazing, and they're quite serious. And when you're talking about some of the subjects we're talking about, it's. Uh, it's just quite a sight to behold, but things are ticking along very nicely. Some of the replies are even funny. Some of the no's we've had. Yeah. Bearing in mind some of the things we've asked if they will do is great. I won't say what we asked them to do, but for example, you got a great reply from Ricky Gervais, sadly yeah. not available. Yeah, sadly the thing not that we wanted. But, you know, you know, you got aim for the stars, and you know, he was he's a big star, isn't yeah. he? You know, unfortunately, he won't be attending. Mm. But um, it was such a good idea. Would have been, would have been well. good. It was such a good. He even said it was a good idea. He said it was a good idea. He, was, yeah. he complimented on his idea, and he actually suggested other names. Yeah, but unfortunately, uh, he's away. We are following those names up. We're, as well. we're following. We are following them up. We are, uh, of course, giving away tickets for Crouchfest, um, and we'd love to hear your stories. And obviously, best stories win tickets. So far, uh, there's a couple of lads who said they'd get their asses out or come as seahorses, and they were the only two options they gave us. But we quite enjoyed it: um, asses out or seahorses. And that is Sam, who's actually got in touch with you, Chris, hasn't he? He did, yeah. They're so they're so happy. Uh, I don't think they expected that we would come through. And obviously, they've heard us then talking about it on the podcast. So you're right, Crouchy. What we want is people who want to volunteer ideas or kind of what you will do to get a couple of tickets to Crouchfest. And we're holding some back so that we can get some of you guys there mm. through through means that you can decide. So are we are we thinking Crouchfest could potentially be a family occasion though? Should we know. should we just go with seahorses or is asses out okay? And also it's like it's a really challenging right. one, isn't it? Because I'm so proud that we'll be doing Wem- Wembley Arena for for this podcast. Massive, right? And I'm thinking it'd be great to bring my mum along. Yeah, yeah. Right? But I can't of... get my mum dressed as a seahorse with her arse out. No, no. And nor should I have to even ask her. <laughs> I don't think it should be an arse out scenario, really. <laughs> I don't think arse is out is actually really technically allowed. No, no, no. So, yeah, well, listen, we're not across all the, you know, the admin and HR stuff, but 
I would advise not get seahorses. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Seahorses. All oh, right, two people. So the only two people in the venue are the two seahorses that are allowed to do that. We we are going to throw everything at it. We do need your help though, and uh, I'm taking up this role of head of advertising again. I've done it before. We'll do it again. And um, we need your help to get a bit of a buzz around this. When we announced it, there was obviously a lot going on at the time. You know, there was a lot of um, new stuff. It feels now's the time that we need to really start shouting about it. So it's Wembley, past the pod. We need you to talk about Crouchfest. We need you to basically advertise it the same way you do with this podcast so we can just turn this thing into the, the night that we can all imagine that it's going to be. I think Liam Gallagher summed it up so well, didn't he? It's good people having a fucking good time. That's all Crouchfest is. I'll tell you what's a good idea. Some people have got in touch saying that uh, their bosses are booking tickets for their Christmas party because it's it's sort of late-ish November. Well, yeah. I mean, it's the start of the World Cup. It's, you know, Christmas party season. It's a time for celebration. No better time, no better place. We we are trying to get word out about this. You've been doing your bit as well, Crouchy. You've designed a little poster here. Yeah, I have. Yeah, well, like obviously you're you're head of advertising, so I've got to run this past you. But I've I've basically drawn um, a, 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 an advert that we think can go in the Samrat. I don't know how many eyes it's going to get. You know, the one in Blackpool did okay, didn't it? Yeah, and also it's a bit like what they do with Glastonbury. They do something quite small. They just put a poster in a window announcing the headliner and then it goes everywhere so that's kind right. of what we're attempting with this yeah so if you do see the Crouchfest poster in the Samrat please share it uh, just get the word out there really because this is our only it's going to be our only billboard can you talk us through it Crouchy I went for big bold writing at the top uh, and then obviously it's just stats like biggest biggest night of the year uh, and it's November the 19th at Wembley Arena. And then there's a picture of the Wembley Arch with us facing it, dreaming. I mean, I'm just imagining us sort of dreaming of Wembley, really, mm. and, and, and and the fact that we are going to achieve that on the 19th of November. Well, we'll be in the arena next I know, door but you know Wembley what? It's Wembley. Everyone does that as well, a bit of a lie, don't they? Yeah, we did that at the O2 as well. We said yeah. it was the O2. It wasn't the O2, was it? it was a, <laughs> I think Westlife were in it that day, weren't yeah, they? Let's, let's just cover this off now before we start getting messages going, mm, it's Wembley. we're going to Wembley. So any of your ideas, if you want to get tickets, go over to thatpetercrouchpodcast.com to check out all that good stuff. I think I'd like to start with the, the very basics of the team meeting. So mm. when you file into a room, is there a hierarchy in terms of uh, status in the team? Who goes near the front? Are there more parched near the front? God, he's nailed it, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> My work's done. Uh, it's, a, it's a definite parching scenario near the front. Uh, the more vocal sort of people in the meetings, uh, and it all depends what kind of meeting it's for. You know, if it's a, if it's a traditional sort of team meeting uh, or a debrief, you know, there's going to be sort of chat and they might ask you some questions. And usually the more, more vocal be at the front, like the skipper, you know, the right-hand man, parched, um, and various other sort of, parched pretenders and then there'll be you know people that don't want to speak as far back as possible and then you'll have some staff members and then maybe a uh, you know a stat man dave would normally be around the team meeting uh, certainly now um how they've even called i mean we'd all be in the gym or something like that and then the captain might say there's a meeting don't be late and everyone rushes around whatever you're doing you've got to be late and if you're one minute late 
it's it's not you don't want to be late to those meetings especially if you've played badly on the weekend and you roll in late i mean that is a bad place to be so when these takes take place so you have one on let's say a monday that'll be maybe looking at the previous weekend then you have another one on friday looking into the picture yeah. coming up is that like the standard just two a week yeah i mean that like depends like some managers love a meeting you know i mean like there'll be meetings for everything the, the worst ones like you know if training's been shit and the, the the standard's been sloppy and quite often the manager will stand back and let the coaches take the session um but if the if the training's that bad like he'll step in and go whoa whoa whoa, whoa come in come in and you go to well hold on I mean, like you can see like a couple of people have given the ball away um Victor Moses springs to mind and I, I, he was a great player Victor Moses but we used to call him the session wrecker <laughs> and uh <laughs> and it's harsh it is harsh but if you played with him, you know what I mean. How did the session record get on with Antonio Conte? Well, that's the thing that like, I do. I find it strange, you know. Like he performed well. Like it was brilliant. He was, that's what I'm saying. He was a good. He was a good player, but he just didn't. He was so chilled out and like I don't know. Just training. It was like well, it was, for him, it wasn't a game situation, and I don't know. It just, it just seemed to get through training somehow. Um, and it was about getting through the week, I think, and then just playing on Saturday. But like when he was on loan at Stoke. He was brilliant for us. Did you ever quite enjoy watching people getting told off? By That's the best thing ever. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, when someone's dug out, like it's is quite good. And, like, you know, I try and answer back and get get, get killed. But, like like Harry was just he was his funniest when he was angry, you know. So you step out of line, he'll tell you, and he'll tell you in, in a, such a cutting way. What was Harry like in team meetings? A lot of the team meetings and stuff are done by other people, like you say, like people that uh, are in charge of the stats or the coaches and, and it's only really the manager to step in when it's something that he, he you know specifically needs to to work on or to, to talk about uh, or you know picking a team for instance or the team talks it's quite interesting because all or nothing the the arsenal doc arteta takes a lot of them or it appears that he takes a lot of them that he is very focused on him him and in and, and how he feels and how he delivers these things do you think that's some a new age style then a beanbag style in a sense mm, a beanbag style i love that um yeah i think i think it probably is i mean there's some managers everyone's different i mean the old school way was sort of let your coaches get on with it um and, and obviously you you've been in those meetings and you've set exactly what you want and then you tell your coaches how you want that implored but now i think now like i say but then rafa for instance wanted to do everything himself you know harry not so much uh, i'm trying to think capello maybe a bit more old school sven always had his little little tactics board out <laughs> which wasn't you know it was never big enough <laughs> maybe that was our problem so you mentioned the board with sven what mm. else was in his team meetings we had a group of players there obviously well known as the golden generation and the players were so good that it was. I don't. I don't know if it needed a, a maybe a stronger manager. Like obviously he's managed at top teams and stuff like that. But like his way was sort of go and let us play. And for me, I love. It was good for me that because like as I, as I explained before, like I was concentrated on my job and stuff like that. But I think I don't know structurally and tactically. Like there was ways that we could have, you know, got the best players into the team. You know, we were so strong in like central midfield. We could have got, you know, we could have played three at the back, for instance, or wing backs, or, um, you know, we could have played with some more flair players going forward. It was a, such a rigid sort of four four two formation, um, and I, yeah, my my worry was that we we probably didn't have, you know, his his team meetings weren't probably as good as they should be, you know. But I just I felt like maybe a stronger leader at that time could have been a difference maybe 
So was it like, you know, you'd have your Gerrards and your Lampards and would they talk about what we were going to do in that game against that opposition or how would that sort of come about? Yeah, that was like, like I say, I think it was too much policing of, of our own getting done. And like you say, in that dressing room there, you've got so many characters and so many opinions that that can become fragmented. You sort of, you maybe need someone to say, this is how we're playing, you know, rather than leaders in the dressing room sort of taking more, more control of that. And that was where player power comes in. Um, but if we'd had, I don't know, and I think that then we said that and we had Capello, which was, a, you know, that's why we went from Sven to Capello and that didn't work. So, you know, maybe, maybe it wasn't that, but it was something that I felt that it could have certainly that World Cup in 2006 when you look at the team we had. But then there's individual errors and mistakes that are made in there that you can't legislate for tactically. But yeah, and also we've been talking about team meetings in terms of the manager's role in a team meeting, but you've always said about how team meetings, there were certain characters that um, really were kind of managing the team to a certain extent as well. So I don't think there's anything wrong in what you're saying there in that there was a, an international setup, and actually you had some amazing characters, some amazing players as part of a team that also felt responsibility to manage that team yeah, as well. Felt that, that. That's that's that to me sounds like quite a positive thing. Yeah, I suppose it was, and you know the the, the players were good enough to to manage that without a doubt. But like I say, there wasn't um, a huge amount on tactics. Um, there wasn't a huge amount on sort of the way we play. It was a case of you know you're all top players and you know, play like you do at your clubs for for England. And unfortunately, I think we see it now. Like England look more. As a, as a team if you know what I mean like when when you look at them you don't see clubs you know when, when I watch England play for England now I see a, a team you know when when I when back then it, it, it always felt like it was fragmented you you're know, so was, right and you've you talked know, about even like where you would eat and like you'd have tea yeah the whole thing without and... doubt I mean it was literally like that and everyone of course everyone was civil and we all got on but you do gravitate towards the people you and you know it was the way the Premier League was set up then was, you know, kicked lump. That Chelsea-Liverpool thing was massive, you know. Manchester United-Liverpool, um, Manchester United-Arsenal, you know, huge rivalries for league titles, for Champions League, um, aggressive tackles and, like, it was... And then to sort of go away with England and, and also you had the, you know, such a big thing, the sort of the Scouse-Manchester thing, you know, and... Um, you know, you've got that sort of London, the North thing, you know, like, unfortunately, that is how it was. Then it was more divisive, I think, as a football, uh, the way football was then. Um, and the way, I, I think the Premier League was better for it. But I think the national team suffered because of it. Yeah, because you go back to that era, super competitive in the Champions League, all the English teams, all the Premier League title races were all brilliant. But it was a lot of divisive not divisive characters, but like characters that would create that siege mentality. Like Fergie would do it at United, Mourinho would do it at Chelsea, Arsene Wenger to a point would do it at Arsenal. But like you're saying, that doesn't bring people together. But also the way the league is now as well, like the, the top teams now are lit, you know, are littered with, with foreign players who aren't English. So the main players at Chelsea, we can name Frank Lampard, yeah. Joe Cole, John Terry, Manchester United, Beckham, Skulls, Level, but um, you know Liverpool, obviously Gerard Carragher. You know mm. they're all English players in an English team that are fighting 
tooth and nail for things. And it, I, listen, it's been said before, and it will be said again, but I think the Premier League was a different beast and, and England was a different beast to what I see now. Before we crack on with the rest of the pod, we've got some important news about Crouchy to discuss. That's right, Chris. You've probably heard that I'm uh, taking part in November this year. Yeah, it's a great cause. Anyone who grows a tash or donates at Movember.com will be raising awareness and funds for men's health. Only trouble is, uh, I am struggling with a style choice. I'd yeah. love to be stylish with this, but I also think that sometimes the the old school ones like are the most stylish. You know, ones that haven't been grown for ages, like mm. create my own kind of vibe. And um, what's Ab saying? She um she enjoyed it last time. Yeah, she loves the tash. Yeah, doesn't she? she quite liked it. She thought, yeah. thought it was quite, yeah, old school. Bit bit Tom Selleck. <laughs> Tom Selleck. Good. Burt Reynolds. But I think because we're invested in you now, what I would like to see happen is you commit to a tash of a certain celebrity or, or, or ex-footballer, and then at the end of it, we match up everything about them, their old hairstyle with mm. you. Do you see what I mean? So it's not just the tash at the end of it. We maybe get you the same kit that they wore. And yeah. I, I've, t- I've taken the liberty of printing out a few famous tashes in football. Mm. Some surprised me. Like, have you seen a young Sam Allardyce mm. here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's incredible, it's isn't it? Tash. He looks like the 118 man. Yeah, he does. He really does, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, level south all there, actually. A handsome chap. Yeah, for, Quite, for yeah. many people, the tash only improves the face, doesn't it? Neville Southfield is great, great yeah. with it. I, I like this Ricky Villa vibe. Like that, I feel like I could grow. I think you've got the foundations for it, actually. And then, you see, what I would say is we get you the same time, we recreate the same signing picture we're looking at here, just after he signed for Spurs. Yeah. Um, now, David Seaman, um, this classic picture of him here, the colourful England uh, goal, goalkeeper's kit... Um, I actually thought it was a full-on goatee hat, but on that is a tash, yeah. taking it to VAR, it is a tash, isn't mm-hmm. it? One slight thing here is I've, I've never noticed on David Seaman's kit is he's got what looks like to be a number three oh, yeah. on the side of it. Didn't notice it at the time. Oh. There's the Gary Neville, of course. I don't know what your thoughts are. Feels wispy, that, doesn't it? It's wispy. It, yeah. It's a very wispy. Do you think that was the max he could grow? Well, it appears so, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're not going to grow a bushy one and then wisp it out, are you? <laughs> Do you think tashes help footballers? I mean, if you're a striker especially, does it give you more flair to your game or does it give uh, you a different arrogance? Or? Well, it's weird because it's weird how it's sort of evolved. Like it's gone, I don't know, if you, it's, it's gone a bit more sort of wispy means a flair player. Whereas back in the day, a strong tash would be you're a hard bastard. Mm. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I do. Isn't it true though? <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Bizarre, but true. Movember have actually sent us in a list of tashes with their official names. Yeah. I think they're official names. So you've got, you know, the Wisp, as we've been talking about here. The Trucker is what I think you would normally call a goatee. It sort of looks like that. Yeah, it's the hand, it's a handlebar tash, isn't it? The Trucker. The Connoisseur it would be amazing for you, but it'll take some grooming because it's the one that you twizzle on you the end. The length of the ends, don't you? Yeah. It's going to take more than a month, that for me, I reckon. What do you think you can achieve then out of them? What, uh, yeah, I've got it oh, here. You've got it there. I, I think a potential rock star, the trucker I could do, it's just they're not gonna, it's not going to be as thick as that. Like the businessman and the boxcar, I'm going to struggle with because I don't know if I get their thickness. Mm. The after eight or the abracadabra could be, a, could be an idea. 
I think I prefer the idea we choose a footballer and you commit to it. And I think that's should we go for the Tottenham signing picture? So. Could be, yeah, let's get out on the socials and we'll we'll try and recreate that picture at the end of it. Well, that's official then. And it, give this a look. He's aiming for the Ricky Villa, uh, in particular the signing picture of Ricky Villa at Tottenham. Remember, whatever you grow will save a bro, even the dodgy ones count. If you want to grow one yourself, donate or find out more, head to Movember.com or download the app. We're going to share the details on our socials for Peter's page as well, where you can make a donation. Thank you if you can afford to do that. And chart his progress as he bids to grow football's finest facial hair in 2022. Isn't the use of technology by managers in the meetings, you must have seen so much change. change, And then you see it on the documentaries, you're right, Dave, where do do managers almost need to be um, learning how to use PowerPoint now and stuff like that as part of the badges? Definitely, yeah. You know, I did my um, coaching badges and uh, a lot of it was to do with with PowerPoint presentations. And I didn't realise, obviously, I've never gone for a manager's job, but like speaking to people now, I'm of the age where people are going for jobs and they're going into jobs and they they, they have to present themselves. A lot of hard struggle with that. Like, I need someone alongside me or I already already need an assistant to go into the interview. (laughs) You know, because like the, the PowerPoints is like, you know, you've got to look at patterns of play that, you know, the team that you're potentially going to manage and say, how would you improve that? And you'd say, this is what I do here, this is what I do here and have slides and clips and stats and things to back up your argument. And, you know, it's well, it's well documented that, you know, Brendan Rodgers, when he got Liverpool trying to have a document that size, you know, and he's gone in and said, this is how I feel, this is a blueprint of how Liverpool can go forward. Mm. And, and that's impressive. And, you know, how, how am I going to go in and beat Brendan Rodgers with, his, with that? And I go, well, I just think we should... Um, should probably drop him. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen a manager like Redknapp try and bring technology into their game? And then struggle. Yeah, but you know, like, the thing is with Harry, for instance, obviously, like, he wouldn't have grown up with that. It would have been, you you see the game through your own eyes, you make your own judgments, and then you say what you've seen, you know. Now now he just adapted, like, that's what he was so good at, and that's why he's such a good manager and stayed in the game for so long, because he just adapted to each era, if you like. So he had people, and actually, um, Michael Edwards, who took over at Liverpool... Um, you know, who, who became obviously the, the sporting director at Liverpool. You know, he was uh, the analyst at Tottenham uh, and Portsmouth under Harry. So, I mean, he had, you know, obviously now we know how good he is at his job and how much he's improved Liverpool um, with his, his methods. But we, he was just, he was the analyst in the, um, you know, we used to go to him for stats and things like that. And he was very, very good. But, you know, he brought him in and he got a good team around him. And I think, you know, you know what your strengths and weaknesses are as a person. And Harry can spot a player, he can pick a team, he knows um, tactics, he knows, you know, with his own eyes, but then he's got people around him that can do the other side of the game that is, is new and, and, and he doesn't understand. He just can't use an iPad. You know, the I'm talking, we're still on, we're on iPhones now. Yeah? Do you remember the old long Nokia thing <laughs> that you put in the car mm-hmm. and that was his car phone? He still had that. Years. It's, it's almost like another language. Like when you go on, uh, you know, an Instat or a Wii Scout or anything like that, or a Pro Zone, you have like to do it properly. You have to like know the shortcuts. You know, the, it's like watching like a what's Wii Stat, Wii Scout. Oh, sorry, it's like a platform where you basically you have all the stats and all the videos and games. Right, stuff. talk us through this. So, what what's going on here, Dave? What hey, this is good. Can... You know, I've got into this recently. I'm on the Instat, and um, what's your one? 
Instat. Instat. Is mm. it like everyone's got a preference of what stat site you go for? Yeah. Absolutely. Stat hub. Yeah, stat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Dave, you, you'd be in a position here to, um, you probably know more about me than this. Like, I, I can tell you about sitting in team meetings, but you could probably tell us more about the meeting behind the meeting. <laughs> the meeting behind the meeting. The actual juice of the meeting. So these platforms give you the ability to basically look at anything within a game. So let's say we're looking at Manchester City this season. And there's a problem in the side. You know, let's say Guardiola's seen, okay, Jack Grealish isn't creating enough opportunities, isn't scoring enough goals, isn't getting enough assists. So the cats come to join in, like cats interested. <laughs> you can, like, you can very up. much drill exactly into what Jack Grealish is doing on match day. So you could look across the season in terms of his goals, his assists, his fouls, his shots. I don't understand. Who's making this? So this is all... Are you? Do you have to so be a stat a person database. to be allowed so on? So yeah, so or? basically you have a license on whichever database you're going with. They'll have teams of analysts that will code all the games or use computers to do it. And then basically, with a click of a button, we can look at Jack Grealish's one foul that he um, he got against Italy and show and you, you the foul. And you can watch it. And it will show what you the foul. What is going on? So... It's amazing. So this exists. So I, anyone could do this? Yeah, if you wanted to do it, you could do it. You pay a subscription though, right? I pay a subscription. So you, you'd, you'd have to be a nerd. Basically. <laughs> yeah, well, let's, let's go back. Go back then. <laughs> So even even further. Who do, you so, want, who do you want to have a look at? Um, is there anyone that's on your mind at the moment? See how they're getting on. These are a few players I've been looking at recently uh, from the non-league. Let's have a look at your history right this, now. This player from the national league. Um, one of the things that I quite like about him is he's quite aware well, in between he? the lines. It is Elliot Elliot Newby. Newby. Okay. Um, so what I quite like about it is he's he's quite good at finding underlaps or overlaps. So in these positions, he's quite aware of playing a passing behind what, the defence. What position does he play? So he plays either attack and midfield in a 3-4-2-1, or he plays on the right-hand side in a 4-3-3, left-hand side in a 4-3-3, sometimes plays number 10, also plays quite a lot in a 3-5-2, either central midfield on the right or central midfield on the left. But what are you going to do with him? This is the question with him, because he's quite an interesting player. So he's got a bit of a weird skill set where he's really good on the dribble. He can beat a man easy. Do you think he could play at a higher level? Uh, I think he's got potential, yeah, mm. for sure. Probably at that point where he's kind of, you know, the next step's going to be an interesting one for his career. But will he, if you get him a, a new team, will he pay you some money? Is he no. aware that you're doing this on his no. behalf? No, no, well, I just think, like, no. if Elliot Newby, if you are listening to this podcast <laughs> it's, it's right now, uh, that man, Dave, you are on his radar. <laughs> but you're obsessed with him. Like, this, no, no, is no, hours, no, this is hours of watching videos of Elliot yeah. Newby. And I don't understand why... I don't understand... Am I missing something? I don't understand why he's doing this. I think this is a passion of his, you know? Yeah. Like, and I think, you know, it, it would be nice to discover... Imagine that player, right? You went in-depth into his career and you saw him sort of play in the National League and then you, you went on to something else and you might have a little hand in that. That blows my mind. Uh, Anyone it, could it, be a stat man. It is amazing. But like lots of people are scouts. Like there's people in the local area. Like obviously the stat thing is... It's obviously... That's huge now, massive, because you can do it with anyone. But like back in the day, you'd have, you'd have a scout, you know, who would only go to non-league games. Who would say there's a non-league player here? Go and have a look at him. And obviously, you'd have to go and have a look at him. You couldn't get his highlight reel up. But you know, that's how scouting has always worked. There's people in the community that know a team or a league more than you. And obviously, with this, it just gives you a, a bigger 
bigger net. It's a bit cheating. I used to know some fella at university that used to do scouting for one of the London clubs in the London area and then for Southampton in the London area. I remember going to like a Charlton Athletic under 23 game with him and uh, Gus Poyet's son was playing in the game. Mm. He was a nice, yeah. Diego was a good player, but never kind of made the, the right mark in his career. But like when you're, when you're playing in the youth team, um, there are people that only go to youth team games and like you see, and they're just fans. So just mm. uh, say people like Dave, but like you, I've got so much sort of love for those people, they just love the game. You know, they go and they just want to watch young players and say they've, you know, it's like when you go and see new bands. Yeah, that's what or, Dave you know, does, but through the computer. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't go and, he doesn't want to see the match or anything. No, no. He, he just wants to focus on yeah. scouting for guys. <laughs> that's what Dave is. Let's get them at Crouch Fest. <laughs> He's so lovely. Could someone, could someone so make like, a Tinder? Darby. He's could so someone lovely. make a Tinder for Dave? Yeah. So you just go like players and you just see their highlights and if they're no good, you just keep swiping like yeah. Scouting for guys. Oh, shit, start that one. Oh, hold on a minute. That'd be quite a fun one. Well, actually, do you know what? You're onto something here because there's so much information in this stat thing that we could turn all that information into a, a swipey thing. Yeah, we? Tinder. That'd be really fun. Yeah. We could make we could. that easier for the, you know, the the, the, the current generation of scouts <laughs> who want it now. Are you saying managers as well in a board no, moment could just no, be flicking through? No, no, match. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine showing Red Na- He'll do the advert as well, no doubt. <laughs> 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 Question. Yeah. Do either of you two believe, Stato, legend, um, there is a stat that genuinely can prove hard work and represent hard work? This is a tough one, like I think, really tough one, because you look at the... I mean, I, I did a lot of the Tottenham games under Nuno and then under Conte. And under Nuno, I think between the team, I think they were running 13 kilometres less, like over a kilometre a player less than under Conte, which is a hell of a lot, right? Mad. And But obviously the, the, the results reflect that, you know, but I also think that there's teams, you know, we've lost to teams previously that have run less than us um, and they've battered us, you know? So it, it's, a, it's a difficult stat. I used to run about 13 kilometres a game, right? So... Um, which is which is a mad stat for a forward, but I was constantly on the move and it was never really explosive, you know, which is mad for a forward because you usually don't run as much but are explosive. But my game was constantly being on the move, trying to get free and getting around. I was never blistering down, um, you know, in behind defences. You know, I was always just on the move and always ready for, for a chance. Um, so that stat would tell you something, you know, you wouldn't actually need to run that much, you know, but mm. I did. Personally, Aubameyang wouldn't need to, or Michael Owen wouldn't need to. The running stats are, in answer to your question, I think it is misleading. Um, you know, working hard isn't necessarily the game, but I think, I don't know how your stats back it up, Dave, but I think genuinely, people that run more do often win more games. I think the bigger correlation is between the possession of the football and like who has the ball, right? Because it, let's say City who do work extremely hard when they've lost the ball, they only do it for a small period of time, but they do work really hard. So if we were looking at their total running data, it'd be like, oh, City have been absolutely rubbish against, um, you know, let's say uh, the old Stoke that's up quite deep at times. Mm-hmm. You, you just be like, they're not, you know, Stoke have moved more because they have. They generally would have moved more off the ball because City are using the ball to move you around and they're 
you know, playing the yeah, position. But you're talking about play. teams. I think you've got to deal with this on an, an I don't individual think there's one player. stat. So answer quickly. I don't think... Is there, no, is, no do there's not. There is? No, absolutely not. Because, for example, like, we could we could look at your shot data versus your XG data as an example, right? Your shot data, you've had four shots in this one game. Your other, other game, you've had a one, one shot of XG of like 0.8, which is really high. In that game where it's 0.8, you have made so many moves off the ball to move the opposition around to open up this one chance here. Whereas this game, you, you're a bit more stationary, you've had four shots. Uh, so you, do you not think you need to think outside the box with this one? So when Sunday League, our manager, if, we, uh, if your kit wasn't muddy enough, we were made to dive through <laughs> muddy puddles. Yeah. Right? Yeah, well, you was, Peppa Pig. That was true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. That'll be the new one. <laughs> Barbecue <laughs> one week, Peppa Pig the Barbecue next. Barbecue <laughs> Peppa Pig. My point being, can you measure the amount of, like, sweat? Can you, can you measure the amount of mud? What about tears? Can that not be measured? As <laughs> you a... could collect everyone's tears. Yeah. But what if someone cries more than the person? It's a stat yeah. for everything these days. <laughs> I'm glad I'm here. We've got to talk, if we're talking team meetings, we've got to talk Arteta. Obviously, so many people will have seen the Amazon Prime documentary and his team meetings. and It's amazing, isn't it? Because he does the team meetings and they obviously cut between the players' faces. And... Even though they're looking serious of face, you can just see the, the slight, sparkle, the sparkle in the eye. You, you tell us if you were sat there listening to some of this, like you need to be more like an avocado. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, like, but I know when you're in it, you're in it on you, and you you only hear that manager, and you get used to his ways, and you don't really think of it like that. But when you take yourself like out of that dressing room and see it probably for what it is it's a bit mad but look at this Dave we've got to do this so so here is something Arteta said right and I'd like you to deliver it in your best Arteta Edison invented the light bulb today I want to see a team that is connected because a bulb by itself is nothing I want to see a team that is connected with each other that shines each of us needs to play the game connected because what happens when we play connected, guys? We connect with 60,000 people who create more energy because electricity through heat creates light and life because if not, it would be fucking dark. <laughs> what makes us special is our attitude and today I want you to play with that attitude. Go out there, turn the fucking light on and play football. Let's go! It is good, isn't it? Actually, that is an amazing speech. Yeah. If Bill Gates had said that at the Apple convention, <laughs> it would have been groundbreaking. But why can't Mikel Arteta say it in an Arsenal dressing room and it not be groundbreaking? I think there's parts of Guardiola there. I don't think he does this really random stuff for no reason. I think he's seen Pep do this for three years, do loads of wild stuff and thought, I'm going to take that on board. So I've always loved when managers, even in the post, post-match interviews, they use analogies. Some managers are just better than others. Like Arteta, to be fair, has has followed that through. He must have thought about it before because if he's just started with the light bulb thing and then has to keep going, keep going, he's actually sounded out quite well. This is my this is my issue with it. Like it's come, he's he's done his homework on it. I don't know if that loses something for me. I think Ian, he, Ian Holloway was just brilliant. It was, it was, so, it was yeah. you know, if you need to off the cuff. What was it? Beautiful woman, take mm. her, take her out for dinner. I can't remember what it was about. <laughs> yeah, the, the woman, it was an amazing the football, speech. But 
and he just carries on. He starts with the analogy mm. and keeps on going. Is there one particular team meeting where you remember feeling that the manager was doing this real inspiring, you know, because that's what that is. It's fucking, I, let's go. Can I tell you something like that I probably haven't ever said? Is that like, I, I was so obsessed with my own game when I was playing that quite often when managers were speaking, I, I didn't listen. And I don't know if I should say that or not, but I'm thinking of the two centre-halves that I'm about to play against and I'm thinking, who can I pull on? Which way can I go? What, what, you know, what do I do on crosses? What are, they, what are their weaknesses? What are they... And like, when the manager was talking, I was always thinking about what I was going to do, personally. And I think some managers blatantly say it, you know, concentrate on your own jobs and if you will win your own individual battles. I mean, it's the most old school way of talking. But if you do do that and you do win those battles, you invariably will win the game. So the way I looked at it was, you know, if I score, if I if I um, bully my two centre-halves and I give them a hard game, if I my touch is spot on um, every time it comes into me and I don't give the ball away and I take my chances... We'll probably win the game. Like I'm not asked about light bulbs and electricity at that sp- at that stage. I think that's fair, and it, I think it it's a different way to look at it because sometimes there is too much information, too many little intricacies, and you move away from your own identity. Exactly, and I also feel like if you're, uh, you know, if you need a ging up at that, obviously through training, like you listen to the manager constantly, right? But on game day. Like if I if someone needs to tell me what I need to do on like what the fuck have we been training for for the last five days you know like all the information has been shared all the job description is gone and now all I've got to do is focus on me doing it correctly. When Noble was on the pod, <laughs> he was great. He uh, he talked about a bit of meeting Housery Dave and he sent Snodgrass to go for a meeting. Um, for the starting eleven, when he was on the bench, so he's turned up in the room. <laughs> phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal Housery meeting Housery. Meet, well, this is what I'm saying, and I think this can extend to everyone listening to this as well. You know, anyone that is part of a company, you've got to do those team meetings. Stuff happens, doesn't it? Yeah. But maybe try animal noises in your next meeting. I know you've just moved jobs um, to global. There'll but be team team meetings there, though. Yeah, like, if you just go for a team meeting, just say, just tap, you know, tap Kemp. And just say to him, like, let's do animals today. And uh, as you go into the meeting, start with a traditional, like, <coughs> and then you progress. Raw <laughs> 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 used to get me. But you can always, uh, there's loving this hundreds of, mainly farmyard, but they, 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 they get you through a boring meeting. I remember, um, I remember one particular occasion where there was a corner and someone didn't pick up the man for the corner. And on the day, the manager said, uh, you didn't pick him up. And he said, it wasn't my man. He said, no, but no, it was your man. And he said, it wasn't my man. He said, we'll show you Monday. So obviously Monday came round and we're, uh, we're going to the team meeting and uh, he flagged it up and we watched the corner and it wasn't his man. Um, but he went through the process of explaining the fact, look, this is where you lost him. That's where you lost him. And he said, but it wasn't my man. And he said, no, don't, don't argue with me. And continued with the meeting and said that this is where we're wrong here. Obviously, he lost his man there. And he said, wasn't me. I didn't lose him. And he said, yeah, okay, shut up. I'm going through this. Anyway, <laughs> we got to the bottom of it. And he said, uh, but I don't know why I'm telling you this because it wasn't your man. We well, had a whole team meeting about him losing his man. He said it wasn't his man. And we still did the meeting because I think he obviously said that we were doing the meeting Monday and couldn't go back on it. 
Surely they watched the video back and were like, oh, actually, it wasn't his man. I don't Let's know. cancel the meeting. Yeah, was have, have you ever heard a manager apologise? Uh, but that's where I think you lose the dressing room. Like, I don't think you should apologise. So even if you've, <laughs> even if you're, you've sat the whole team down to look at a video which proves you're wrong, that that was you obviously still one particular concede. instance. You still don't. I think on that occasion, obviously, have to concede. But that was obviously not great. It doesn't sound like they properly did. It was like you shouldn't concede. If someone asks you a question, I remember. I think I heard Guardiola say this. Someone asks you a question, even if you have no fucking idea, you pretend you know, and that's the answer. Okay, so I'm going to try that this week. So it doesn't matter if you know that you're wrong, you just fully carry you on. Fully like, you fully commit to it. Fully. You fully commit to it, yeah. Yeah, that's that could play out in all sorts of ways. So even if you're back up like an hour later, or two hours later than you said you were going to be, you just say, no, I, I was said I'd be back at this time. I said I'd be back at that time. She says, well, you said you'd be back at 11. I said, I said 12 million percent. Yeah. What you're they, what, wrong. What she, can she say to that? <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting you went for that. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, we'll just, I think we should all just try yeah, it this you know, week, Dave. Just I, I think the one problem could be if it wasn't a verbal communication and there is a text. It's about time we checked in on Chris and his progress with Peloton. We're helping you with a fitness journey, Chris. How's it been going this week? The thing is, right, it's all ramping up a little bit because obviously I've been doing this for a couple of weeks now and as part of that, I'm trying to push myself a bit more with it. What I'm finding is I'm I'm then in agony the next day. It's really catching up on me the next day. Has your walk turned into a brisk jog yet? I think what I was thinking about this, because I got a lot of messages um, and it was a lot of people just amazed that you were so sort of baffled about how walking could be fitness. And I think it's because you're used to going training every day. I almost feel like you're... I I think if you're walking up Kilimanjaro... Why? Yeah, but like like if you're going for a half an hour walk, like you do that to go to work... No, but I do mix it up. So, so I'm doing walking. I'm doing that. You can have an option to walk and a run. Okay, good. It's like okay. thirty minute walk and run. Okay, that's fine. Um, and then I'll do sometimes I do like twenty minute run. And and you'll see actually if I show you my calendar I've got on here, you'll see I've I've actually been smashing this. You thing are, up yeah. I'm I'm pleased with your with what you're doing. And then what I've introduced to my game now is a bit of stretching. So they do these like five ten minute stretch things, which I, I thought was nonsense before, but actually <laughs> I've learned stretchings are actually good. I thought, I I thought it was a myth. I I, I was doing a bit a bit of running myself. Uh, I just go straight in. I've realised like you do actually need to yeah you do it does help. Yeah, stretching before and after it isn't a myth and I'm realising that if I stretch it's easier to do more a day or two later we've spoken about stretching this week Chris what else have you enjoyed well you, do you know what? I've really mixed it up I do mix it up between the tread and the bike good news guys I've got a new personal best I did a 30 minute 2010s run my instructor was someone called Olivia Amato and look at that crouchy look at that badge there you'll see I did and this is what I love about the app Right, I've really got used to this. I've changed my username because my username was just a boring one I signed up for. Yeah. I'm now Pancake Starkey on there. Yeah. Check that. 330 calories I burnt on that Great one. Great stats. Yeah, check out the You've got a little medal. You've got a medal for that. Average pace. Yeah. 1040. Very nice. The muscles that's you've worked. Though, average well. speed, 5.6 miles per hour. That's 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 quite quick, isn't it? Yeah, I've got a I've got a list of animals here. A house mouse. Travels at eight, so you are slower than a house mouse. <laughs> yeah, but they're quick. Chickens are at nine. <laughs> <Are they? laughs> 
Domestic pigs get up to nine. Pig in a panic mode kind of thing. You know, we must have a quick pig by the looks of it. Anything, anything. Nothing is around the five. Nothing. Much faster than a tortoise, Chris. 0.3 miles per hour. We've also got a snail, 1.7. So five times faster than a snail. Yeah, about that. Three times. That doesn't sound like a good stat. It's not great, is it? Thing is, right, I'm getting really into it. You can see how many times I'm doing this throughout the week. You see the little blue dots on the app here. I am... I am proper giving it a go. But it's mainly because I am enjoying it now. I'm in a kind of rhythm of it. When I feel tired, I've been very busy recently. When I'm tired, I sort of, even if I'm not exactly in the mood, I always feel better after it. But you've got the recovery ones. Can't overtrain, ones. can you? Can't overtrain. But also you've got the recovery ones. So rather than doing nothing the next day when you're feeling like tight and flogged, you better just get on the bike and do the recovery exercises. Well, that, that's what I, I need to be a bit more disciplined with. But that's what I've started doing this week. There was... Uh, Sam Yo's recovery ride as well, which was interesting because the whole thing was designed around not getting like a personal best like on some of the other things. It, it was more about self-care than it was me trying to like really challenge for myself. It, yeah. Yeah. Could, I, could I give you something for, for next week? Could you do one of the yoga classes? Yeah, I've been avoiding it. I'll be honest. I have been avoiding it. Just, I think you should embrace it. it. It's good. Like, I, I'm into it. I do Pilates with abs sometimes. And it's harder than you, you would expect. To be fair, I caught my missus doing a yoga uh, Peloton class. That makes it sound like she was doing something wrong. She wasn't. Yeah, yeah. And she was really enjoying it. So, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do that this week and I'll report that. with your missus. That's a, like, it's a nice thing to do together. So yoga's booked in before the next pod then, Chris? Yeah, yoga. Um, I might give this Pilates a go. do feel quite lucky. I've got the treads. I've got the bike. Um, missus doing yoga on the TV. You know, it just all feels very much like we're all getting fitter. You're all you know? getting fitter. Well, that's what we want to achieve. Great episode, Lance Crouchy. Anything that the listeners should take away from the team meeting? Well, it's nice to go in depth. I think you've shown sort of like, I can tell you exactly what it's like to go into a team meeting, why we go into them. And you've obviously explained, you know, the stats and reasoning behind a team meeting. And um, hopefully, you know, there's a little bit of insight there. Remember, if you haven't got your tickets yet for Crouchfest, get them whilst you can. Head to thatpetercrouchpodcast.com. Brought to you by Lexus. Some things do more than their stated functions because exceptional things inspire you to do exceptional things. To this select list, we add the all-new Lexus GX. With its exceptional capability, you'll see possibilities you never knew existed, sending you far outside your comfort zone. But as much as the GX challenges you, it also spoils you. Its intuitive technology and luxurious features mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to it. The all-new Lexus GX. Um, and that's where you'll also be able to submit your questions and any ideas for the pod. Good work, everyone. Chumbawamba. 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 This episode is brought to you by a load of pricks.net. We are the experts in selling houses. Chris couldn't sell his house. What did you do, Chris? I couldn't sell my house for love nor money, Crouchy. Three different offers I had, all at the last minute, fell through. I turned around to my wife and said, what can we do to sell this house? Every estate agent is failing us. Then I told her... Let's go to a load of pricks.net. But Chris, what did a load of pricks do for you? They were brilliant, Crouchy. They sold my house right away. The sign had barely gone up when a well-dressed gentleman came along and offered me twice the asking price. Chris, would you use a load of pricks again? I'd use them every time, Crouchy. Go to a load of pricks.net. They will sell your house like no other. Load of pricks, load of pricks.net.